Welcome to Teamwork, A Better Way, the podcast filled with stories, experiences, and insights from leading high-performing team experts. Here are your hosts, Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Teamwork, A Better Way. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined, as always, by the the plum master here, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? I am great. Was that little Jack Horner sat in a corner? (laughs) (laughs) I am so great, Christian. I am grateful for the opportunity to be with you. I am very excited for today. Uh, And, you know, just this is almost four years now that you and I have been yakking at each other. (laughs) I know. And the funny thing about that is you would think after four years, maybe we'd run out of things to talk about. But actually, the world is more interesting than ever. And that includes our next guest, right? Who's going to bring a whole new uh, realm of insights to us today. Super excited to have her join us. So Spencer, why don't you introduce us to our next guest? Thank you, Christian. Absolutely. And uh, I had the opportunity of meeting Aaron Leslie just a couple of weeks ago. We were in Ottawa, uh, Canada together, speaking at a a conference at the PMI Rise uh, conference there. And Aaron is the CEO of EQ Footprints. And she's a leadership coach and a career strategist who will enable any professional or team to achieve their career aspirations. And she does that through personal development, training, and coaching. And what I saw when we were speaking there together is people just responded to the the wisdom and the experience that she brought in such a a powerful way. They they really, you know, just some great thoughts and and experiences. And she believes that every career could benefit from mentorship. And she sees the opportunity in anyone who is stuck or does not know the right actions to propel them towards their next success. And Erin practices one-on-one coaching with clients and mentees across all industries. And she's certified in EQ uh, assessments, multiple assessments, and Aaron specializes in emotional intelligence practices and tools to support a stronger emotional quotient in the workplace, which, as you know, is absolutely vital for a thriving workplace. And her emotional intelligence keynote provides insights from her 20 years of business experience as a woman in technology. And combined with a tailored coaching style, she has an intuitive which I saw very, as she just responded to people coming up to her, very intuitive ability to uncover personal or environmental barriers and help identify new goals from your business audience. Helping professionals, teams, and newcomers with all aspects of business negotiation, personal branding, networking, and business culture. It's not only a vocation, it's her passion. And she has spoken at at many events uh, all across Canada and, and North America. And she is truly passionate about empowering business people and, and, and also women. And I'm so excited that we have people that are joining us from all across the, the globe to, to learn. Erin, uh, I'm going to bring you on. I should have done that earlier so everyone could see your beautiful face. Welcome, Erin. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be here with you both. Well, thank you. We are so glad that you decided to, to join us today. I, I, I want to start off by just Tell us how you came here. How, what, what was your path, your journey to, to really focus? Why emotional intelligence? And, and, and particularly, why, you know, what, what drew you to your work with, with leadership and, and teams? Yeah. Um, after, you know, like you said, about 20 years in technology, 
um, probably a little bit earlier than that, seven years ago, I started EQ Footprints really because I saw a need to empower and support people advocating for themselves in the workplace, dealing with difficult business relationships, culture, and uh, trying to develop better, stronger teams that authentically work together. And so for me, I wanted to empower people to really get on a journey that they felt passionate about and that they could see the value of how self-awareness and emotional intelligence really brings about a better understanding of the people that you interact with and you want to inspire every day. And it's been an incredible journey of seven years, as I mentioned, and I'm just um, always impressed with the different challenges that I face with my clients um, and the things that we can uncover together for them to be more in tune to the power of emotional intelligence. Thank you. And, and for today's uh, theme, really guiding teams in, in a chaotic world, I mean, what are you seeing? What are you noticing in your work with teams that this topic really came to mind when, when I asked you what you wanted to focus on? Yeah, I think the shift from the industrialization revolution of the 60s, 70s into, you know, the more modern era of technology enablement for services and digital enablement for, for different lines of business has brought about a focus about faster, leaner, meaner, um, you know, doing things smart. But it doesn't necessarily lend um, the needs of soft skills or power skills, as I should say. Uh, for leaders to how do how do they need to grow with the times of what they're seeing around them and how do they need to enable themselves to be better leaders in a world that is very chaotic that has a lot of things going on in different parts of the world that very much impact the people around us and so you don't need um, to be a certain person or to look a certain way or to act a certain way to feel those impacts I think everyone can uh, can attest to today that in the past recent years and beyond, there's been enough things going on that it impacts your workplace, it impacts your work life and your ability to juggle the many balls in the air. So I've got a question. Uh, one of the things that's reflected in the topic uh, today is about leading with vulnerability. And, and you talk about this on your website, authenticity and how important that is. And it seems like we're in kind of a split world where on one on one hand, we're told we need to be authentic and we need to build trust and empathy and so on and so forth. But we also live in an Instagram reality where everybody puts forward a very polished persona and and what and what we do is try to put, you know, paint ourselves in the perfect light. You know, if you if you go on to social media, oftentimes that's what you see. And so I'm curious um, where this this idea of leading with vulnerability comes from and how important it is today in the Instagram world that we're living in. Right. It's interesting that you select Instagram as sort of a focal social media. It's kind of deemed as the media of the greatest things going on in your life. But I think part of that um, is a great topic of affiliation bias and looking at what are the things that you affiliate with that reflect your world and what you connect to. And so my Instagram has a lot of reality in it. It has a lot of people that influence the topics that are going on along, around the world and the things that they want to see changes in. And we focus on the Gen Z uh, generation. They're all about making an authentic change so that they can feel more connected to the work and the social environments that they lead in. So as leaders, being vulnerable really means to represent an authentic self, to 
identify that you understand what people are going through either sympathetically or empathetically and that you create a space for open conversation and dialogue so that there is a pattern of authentic community in the workplace that people can respond to in addition to doing their work. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, this, this world that we're living in right now, Aaron, where there's a lot of personal trauma that people are experiencing and they're having a lot, they're bringing a lot of these feelings to, to work. They're frustrated with what they see going on in the world uh, around them. What, what do we need to do as leaders to really uh, um, address these emotional approaches or challenges that, that their teams are experiencing and, and still be able to maintain our focus on what we're there for? which is to get the job done, productivity and, and adding, creating value, really. I mean, that's what we're there for. And, and, and it seems like some of that's being hijacked right now. So how do we balance that? Yeah, it's a great um, question. And I think one of the key things about leadership is to be realistic in the moment, um, to identify your own feelings on certain topics. I know a lot of organizations want to shy away from political um, economic, social conversations, but I think it's really important to identify, I'm not okay with what's going on right now. And if you're not too, I'm here to help. I'm here to have a conversation. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I wake up every morning and just go to work and do my emails and my meetings and not think about and reflect on those things and how hard that is for myself or for others around me. So just announcing that, um, indicating that, you know what, without so many, you know, qualifications or, or my personal perspective, I'm not okay with what's going on right now. And I want you to know that. And just being able to say that out loud um, to your team, you know, whether in a chat window or in a quick meeting to say, you know, I identify with this is a tough time um, and I'm here to provide you assistance either through employee assistance programs or through just having a conversation or just knowing that, you know what, I need a mental health day and I need to take that day off. And how can we apply tools to that day that'll really, you know, recharge you and make you uh, be able to have a safe space for, for your own reflection. So those types of dialogues, those words, those intentions um, allow leaders to connect better with their teams and really reflect in the moment when it's the most critical. It's not a political statement. It's not a, you know, this is part of our brand kind of statement. It's really just being authentic in the moment. I think it's important for leaders to step outside their comfort zone and, you know, extend to their teams in those times. So I want to shake it up with you just a little bit here. You know, you're talking, getting out of our comfort zone, I think is great, but I think it, you're talking about in the sense of being empathetic and connecting and, and just being more vulnerable. And that's a big part of the theme here. But a minute ago, you mentioned a, a concept called affiliation bias. And so what I, what I want to shake it up a bit is, don't we also need resilience to be able to deal with this chaotic world? We, we want to make people safe. But my perception of affiliation bias is I want to make sure that I eliminate any, anything that makes me uncomfortable in, in the Instagram uh, people that I follow, the messages that I see, the, the stories that I hear, instead of getting a, a, a more holistic or unbiased perspective of what's going on in the world and, and really building, building up my, 
my resilience muscles to be able to deal with the chaos and the, the adversity and the challenges. Can you, can you talk? I mean, yes, we want to make things safe, but at the same time, how do we, how do we grow those resilience muscles? Mm -hmm. It's important to, when I talk about affiliation biases, to really be aware of what's going on uh, in the world and immersing yourself in other channels that'll give you the news of those, of those people or those places in a in a place that is more authentic to those areas so maybe not listening to north american news but look you know looking at other sources of information it, it exposes you to a different language a different um uh, emotion of those situations being immersed in that allows you to wear those emotions and those feelings and hear those words that are being used so that when you yourself are identifying with somebody in a time of need, you can identify with the types of words and styles of ways that they might express um, the concern that they have for the chaos in the world. So your ability to be resilient is being able to identify with, oh, you know, we're talking about this subject now. Okay. Although I'm not an expert, I've, you know, I understand some of the pieces that you're describing to me and, and just acknowledging how um, people are trying to be strong in the moment. And by supporting them, you're building their resi resilience uh, muscles. Um, and, and not all leaders um, are able to do that. It's exhausting for some leaders who don't extend themselves in those ways. So being equipped with other means and other resources is just as important to offer those in the times that you find yourself supporting your teams in different ways other than just doing the work. Sorry, I, I know Christian. Go ahead. I I, I could keep going because I have a bunch. <laughs> no, I think it's a great thing that you're talking about, uh, and it reminds me of something I just read uh, a day or two ago. A post on LinkedIn that a friend and colleague of mine made. Uh, so I'll give him credit for this. His name is Basam. So Basam uh, made a Basam Salem, who's a uh, a longtime executive. Uh, originally born in Egypt, raised in Switzerland in the US. And his idea was, if we all had the ability to go somewhere else in the world and live for a month in a culture that we don't necessarily understand, you know, uh, that 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 would help us become a lot more understanding and empathetic, right? Because we we start to see things from a different perspective. And so I really like your idea here, Aaron, that, hey, can we at least make a conscious effort to, to consume uh, content and gain knowledge from, from non-traditional sources? I mean, non-traditional to us personally, instead of going to the place we always go every day for this kind of content, maybe we step outside and go somewhere else. And, and get another perspective. It also made me think of in, in companies, and I'm curious to get your thoughts about this, where you know people provide opportunities in large organizations for others to work in different parts of the organization. You know, whether it's an, uh, in, in a short-term secondment. Uh, you know, okay, normally I love I that idea. That's such a of, you see what of you operations. There, now you know I'm going to go work over here in uh, customer support, right? Uh, we hear the stories about the CEO of an airline, you know, pretending to be a flight attendant uh, for a flight. Well, that's that's fine. But, you know, what if I'm yeah, what if I'm the staff accountant in an organization and I get an opportunity to work 
in, in customer support for a month, you know, so I understand what they're going through and vice versa. And I'm just curious, you know, in your work with organizations, you know, are there some pragmatic solutions, you know, practical solutions to help uh, people in the organization build this empathy by giving them opportunities to have different experiences in the company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the you know ways that you develop products is through understanding what your user's journey is and mapping that journey, understanding the user experience. And so anyone developing a product or a service, which most businesses are to one extent or another, um, have to understand what that journey is and what the emotional facts of that journey are not just the practical or the functional facts of that journey. And so, you know, when dealing with organizations trying to adjust um, and, and broaden the viewpoints of a more holistic viewpoint across their leadership teams, you know, diving into a workshop that talks about understanding product design, service design, uh, user experience, and connectivity to what is the brand that you're trying to support your audience with and how do you connect to that brand personally? Um, you know, I wish everyone could have passion in their job. Not everyone does. Um, and so understanding, you know, the leadership level, at least that's leading some of these teams, how can they get more in tune with the actual journey and the human design elements of what they're doing? And emotional intelligence is very much uh, weaved into um, that style of work. And um, a lot of organizations have more designers and take more credibility into the design world um, in order to meet the needs and expand uh, those products more accessibly for individuals. Go ahead, Christian. No, I'm back to you, Spencer. I mean, that was my thought was just, you know, how, how we can, you know, craft some experiences inside of our organizations as leaders to kind of, I don't know if cross pollinate is the right word, but to get, you know, people outside of the everyday element, at least for a, a short period of time and see what it's like to, to stand in somebody else's shoes, whether that's the customer's shoes, as you rightly point out, Aaron, mm -hmm. you know, going through that customer journey or it's somebody else's shoes that, that, you know, is in the organization, uh, uh, I know that, it, you know, I come from a, uh, an Olympic background or major events. And, and so in, in that respect, we try to, to do some, uh, some common opportunities, but usually they're related to the same job that you're doing. It's just in a different city, you know, cause, oh, I'm going to be the, you know, I, I'm a broadcast manager at a venue and I, and I, I want to see what that opportunity is like. So I go to another games in another city to experience that for myself, but, I just think that there's there are ways you know that, that we can build empathy for each other by just showing each other this is what it's like over here you know <laughs> if i can add to that um obviously mentorship programs are really important for creating bonds and relationships to unlikeful uh to meeting right a mentee and mentor and the unique thing about mentee mentor relationships is it's still um uh, a misnomer in organizations. How do I get a mentor? How do I attract a mentor? How do I get a sponsor? Um, and those types of relationships enact what you're describing is how do I know uh, what the experiences of the different players across my organization? What are their experiences and how can we make their experiences better within those different ser system or service lines 
within the organization. And I think that mentorship program is key in receiving and giving important information that will strengthen the business internally as well. Great comments. We've got people uh, calling in, basically chiming in from Rotterdam and, and Chechia. So thank you for, for listening. Uh, some of our friends are, are listening from all over. You know, I, I just those who are joining from uh, other places around the world, a lot of them work on international teams. And so they have quite varied experiences culturally in how they, how they have to manage and, and interact and engage with teams. And I mean, I love what you're talking about, Christian Sekondman and, and, you know, Aaron talking about just getting people those those opportunities. I wonder, does that strengthen our our, our, our resilience or does that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just switch gears for a second and, and, and hopefully tie this in. I feel like here in North America, our, you know, we talked earlier about the, the news that we see. When I was uh, in Canada talking, to my, my uncle and aunt live in Ottawa there, so I had a, a conversation with them. My cousin right now lives in Sri Lanka, and we do not understand what is going on in that country. I hear no news of all the, the, the refugees and the, the, the persecution that's happening to, to different groups of people, and it is chaos right now in places around the world. You, you look at even Cyprus, where I've been the last couple of years, a, a country that is divided where there's international UN peacekeepers to separate the Turkish-occupied Cyprus. And, and, and so many of us in North America are unaware of all the craziness that's going on and the experiences that our people are happening, how the war is impacting a little island like Cyprus, how that impacts the whole business environment, because they've got to walk this, this, this very delicate time, I mean, a, a tightrope of, you know, Russian investment and, and supporting... You, uh, uh, NATO policies, and that all filters into the workplace and how people are working with each other and the pressures that they're feeling with each other. I don't know if I tied that together very well, but Aaron, I'm, I mean, I know I'm throwing something at you, but how do you, how do we build our resilience and open up our eyes to, to learn more about what's going on? Is that helpful or is that overwhelming? It goes back to relating to the humans in front of you. So, you know, leading teams internationally, something I'm familiar with, um, leading teams locally, people are people. They have needs, they have personal needs, and then they have professional needs. And being aware and open to the conversation uh, of what personal needs might be to create work-life balance so that the professional needs can get fulfilled to the best of everyone's ability breaking down barriers so that people feel confident and comfortable to open up and be, you know, themselves fully at work is something that just, you know, creates that space for knowledge about, you know, how's it going in, in your side of the, the, of things and how, how can I make it better for you and create a, a trust relationship that is so important for leaders to understand, oh, I didn't know I had a barrier. Let me help you, um, you know, break that down because you've been able to, uh, be vocal about it and share your your thoughts and be authentic. And so demonstrating that, um, being aware of the different major pieces that are going on internationally, I think is just a matter of doing some research. There's lots of chaos going on. There's lots of good things going on as well, which is equally important to, 
to underline, but, you know, creating that authentic space where people can show up as they are um, and, and, uh, and be free to, to express themselves is really important. Being able to create um, the, the boundless barriers of borders and international space um, so that people can just feel like they're in the room with you working on the situation at hand. I have a question from Greece, from my friend Constantina Maltezu. And uh, Constantina asks, Aaron, what, how can we help ourselves in this before we help others get the view? That is the um, essential question. And thank you for asking it because a lot of people um, don't know how to look at themselves. It's a great question. Emotional intelligence is defined by, you know, social interactions and the way we perceive information of other people's emotional data, how we give emotional data in order to build and have more effective relationships, deal with change and cope with um, adversity. And so understanding our self-awareness is understanding the things that bother us that make us pivot for the ways that we try to you know support ourselves in different needs whether it's a a shocking response or a, or a happy response why do we react the way we do what's our impulsion control on certain things these are behaviors that are often identified in the workplace where you can see people shift in the moment depending on what complexity happens in front of them and so being able to yourself look at what makes me change my mood, what makes me change my ability to communicate with others, or what makes me want to retract in the moment at work, identifying those issues or concerns that might be uh, relationships that haven't been, you know, dealt with or situations that haven't been necessarily um, handled in a way where you can like put that aside and keep going forward. So a, a lot of that responsibility of emotional awareness relies in us in understanding ourselves. So self-awareness is so key in the journey of having better workplace relationships. So I've got a question for you uh, on on your website. Uh, you have identified four pillars of strong team dynamics. I really like these pillars: trust, empathy, problem solving, and effective emotional expression. And one of the things that I'd like you to to talk a little bit more about is this notion of problem solving, because when it comes to some of these chaotic world events that are affecting our mood, our ability to, to uh, be effective in our roles, um, oftentimes we are impacted by problems that we ourselves cannot solve, right? Like I, there's nothing I personally can do about some of these world conflicts here. And so uh, I'm curious to hear how you address this idea of you know being able to build these bridges while recognizing hey we're not uh and acknowledging we're not here to solve some of these massive uh world issues and conflicts and things 
but we're here to just work together ourselves and 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 be our best selves here and you, you know we have to be able to kind of leave those unsolvable problems to the side and just focus on the things that we can control can, can i append that for just a moment i mean there are people in, in the world they're like here in north america i mean many a lot of christians are, are celebrating christmas and they're like with all this stuff going on in the world we shouldn't have any we shouldn't be focused on all these wonderful things right and 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 it's like we can't solve all the world's problems but should we stop living i mean i i think that adds to what you're saying i mean i'd love to hear your perspective on that you know what i'll start backwards and work forwards um on your last point about you know do we forsake joy in order to recognize the pain and i don't think we can forsake joy that's how we are resilient even in the worst of times in history um humor and finding the light in the little moments is what creates resilience and strength to move forward. And whether that means you're being strong for your family at a distance or you're in the midst of that which is going on in a part of it and still trying to work or do other things, um, joy is still very important. Um, I make it a point to you know, celebrate all the holidays, whether they're from my background or not, and acknowledge holidays across the world because they all have very, you know, important messages. And those messages are important to people around me. And I want them to know that I also believe in those messages. So I think, you know, recognizing Passover, Hanukkah, Christmas, you know, Ramadan, everything is really important um, because they all have significance in, in various people's lives. And that's a joyful thing to share in those different significance. Um, and so going back to Christian's question about, you know, the problem solving, how do we, how do we support in the moment, even though we're kind of like not a part of the problem solvers, we, what are we doing here? It, it, sort of helpless feeling sometimes. Um, and so some of the things that I do with my team is, you know, what can we do right now? that might be able to help us feel better or feel like we're making a difference. And that could be writing a letter to your um, state or your governor or, you know, your MP, depending on what country you're in, um, just expressing your concern for what's going on and how we can help as a community here to others in other places. Um, you know, uh, you peaceful protests and, and whatnot, and just supporting people with their beliefs and, you know, saying, I hear you, um, giving space for people to say, I'm not feeling good right now. I'm going to log off for an hour. I'll be back. Um, and just saying, I, I understand. Um, let me know when you come back, if there's anything I can do for you in terms of just having a conversation or changing your uh, you know, your work hours so that you can show up when it's easier for you to show up in terms of your, you know, balancing all of these things. So I think there's a number of things we can do to outreach and to create um, community and supports um, as as a working community, not just as a, um, a community within our neighborhoods. <laughs> So, Aaron, you are also uh, modeling some vulnerability. As we got on today, you were talking about a little chaos that's happening in your world, and uh, you were your your house was attacked by uh, some resident uh, polecat or skunk or what happened? 
why is this news right now? Um, yeah, <laughs> we get we get to show people that here you are dealing with something and and, uh, My and you find humor. <laughs> yeah, so um, the joys of the uh, the animals outside saying, "Whose house is this?" Um, there was obviously a, a scuffle at early morning times and um, my garage got spray painted uh, with skunk smell. And that just permeated throughout my whole house as I was sleeping. I'm sorry and, to oh, laugh. I'm, <laughs> I am so yeah, sorry. it's just one of those things. And yeah, so at some point when my day is over, I'll have to figure out how to get that smell out of the house. Bless you. And, you know, we're, <laughs> de we're dealing with a smelly planet right now. There's a lot of skunk smell all around we got to deal there with it. Are things. I there think are it's worse. a great metaphor. But I want to go back to Constantina's question that you answered about the importance of, of self-awareness. Can you give us just a, a couple of strategies that you believe that can help us increase our self-awareness? What What do you mentor and coach your, your clients to do to, to get more self-aware? Absolutely. Uh, one of my clients I was working with um, showed a lot of uh, strength and happiness every day at work to the point where they were noticing that they weren't connecting with their teammates and they weren't getting, you know, difficult conversations coming across the desk. They weren't getting the problem solving questions. They were being sort of avoided. And the result of that was a, an awareness that through their upbringing, being positive and always showing the best and not showing any negativity was the learning path for their ex life experience. And so in the office, the inability to show, oh, I'm having a bad day, or I wish my house didn't smell like skunk, like mine does right now, or, you know, just sharing some of the natural things that cause a little bit of chaos in your day and make you not as positive demonstrates to people that you're human and that you can relate on different levels and that it's okay to talk about the bad stuff as well as the good stuff at work. Um, that allows people to problem solve, you know, avoid crisis, um, you know, determine and, you know, how to risk manage in the moment really, really well with you. And so that was a great awareness that the person realized I need to be more open about when I'm not good and not make it seem like every day is great um, so that people can relate better to me. And another um, really good tool is self-regulation and self-regulation is about what do I need to do in the moment so that my emotions don't sabotage the things that I want best. So for example, reading an email that comes across your desk and you immediately have an emotional reaction that's somewhat negative, um, rather than responding to that, taking a step back, going for a walk, um, talking it out with a mentor or someone you trust before responding would allow you to regulate your emotion and make you sort of reflect better and say, well, how can I tackle this in a more meaningful way and not look at it for some reason, jumping to that more emotional state. So self-regulation is critical in self-awareness and understanding why do I react to some things that I do and what steps can I take in order to improve my ability to self-regulate -re those emotions. I really like that. It seems to me that goes to the fourth pillar uh, of uh, strong teen dynamics that you've uh, emphasized on your website, which is this concept of effective emotional expression. I really like those words. And I think each of those words has a lot of meaning in it. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of unpack this idea for us a little bit of effective emotional expression. 
Yeah. Well, if you think about, you know, the relationships that you have at the office, they're not unlike the relationships you have at home. And what I mean by that is your ability to show up and do all the things you do affect your personal life just as much as your professional life. And so, you know, if you are not taking a step back at home and wondering, you know, why are you always angry when someone doesn't put the garbage away? As an example, what can you self-reflect and say, why does that anger me? Is there a better way to handle my emotions in that moment and create a different outcome so that I'm no longer affected by what I'm witnessing or observing or, or triggers me? And sometimes you might say, well, I'm not always aware of how I can manage my emotions because it's an external force that's triggering me. But you are 100% in control of yourself. The other things, not as much in control. So that self-regulation, that self-reflection is critical in creating a better balance for yourself and being able to be more at ease with the things that come across your desk or um, that would normally, you know, create a different emotional response in you than just like, okay, we can tackle that. Um, when you can dive in and dissect some of those things a little bit and go back and say, when did that start for me and how can I change it? The recognition of those emotional reactions and, and unearthing them either by writing, journaling, um, going for a walk and reflecting on one particular item um, is the best way to start doing that work um, and building a better resilience for yourself on not wasting your energy in some emotions that might not be serving you in the moments that you need them most. One of the things that you recommend, uh, I understand, because you are a practitioner of emotional intelligence 2.0 and, and use those assessments to increase self-awareness is, you know, is, is really using an assessment. Uh, I know I took, I think I took that, that assessment, Aaron, I don't know, 15 years ago. It was quite depressing. I think I got like 70% and I was <laughs> like, you know, and I had to, you know, check myself because I'm like, okay, I talked to my, my wife who's very self-aware and like, all right, is my answer right on that? No, that is not. No, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but how do you, how do you take an honest self-assessment of your emotional intelligence and, and uh, how do you assess people's level of, of awareness and, and how do you see that they respond to that? Are they, are they open to that? Are they, anyway, what's yeah, your experience there? The first step is identifying that EQ can change. It can grow, unlike your IQ that is stagnated by about 16, 17 years old. So you can, you know, work that muscle, otherwise known as the amygdala in your brain and create more emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. So that's like a lifelong mission that we should all like strive for and just be like, great, how do I grow this muscle? That's exciting. Um, an assessment allows you to have a point in time reference and you could assess later on in a couple of years and it would be a different point in time reference because, as you know, our emotional strengths change with experience and with our ability to self-reflect and, and grow different um, strengths in our emotional development. And so that assessment is initially a look at where are you today and what are some of the things that you might be weaker in that you might want to enhance. For example, you might be low empathy. Well, if you think about how that might affect your ability to lead great teams. In Suck it up. Let's go. <laughs> yes, right. 
um, you know, what does empathy allow you to connect better with your teams and how would having more empathy create better outcomes for yourself in those relationships? So that's just a, a very easy example. Um, but the assessment itself has 15 different types of emotional um, uh, aspects uh, known as the emotional quotient makeup. Um, that can really give you an, an interesting look at when you combine certain emotional assets, how do those combinations um, change the way you lead teams or lead yourself? And those are where we get into the individual work that can be explored to transform your emotional intelligence. Just as a follow-up to that, Aaron, uh, that organization, Talent Smart, that does that has that assessment also has an emotional intelligence 360. How do you feel about a 360 assessment? Do you use those and, and how can that be helpful or hurtful in, in someone's really professional, personal development? Yeah, I think it depends on the organization and how they see 360s as being effective. Um, 360s are viewed sometimes as, um, you know, sort of maybe scary because you don't know necessarily what people's response will be, but the, the goal is to have an authentic outcome of somebody's perception of you in line with the work that you do and how you interact with them or how you show up and may not interact with them. And so they're just basing it based on what they see and hear from you. And those are interesting um, tools to add to your toolkit in being a better leader or a better individual in working with um, business relationships across your organization. So that 360 from an emotional lens, you might think you're displaying empathy to use that example again, and then other people might rate you lower because they're not feeling your empathy. So they are not receiving the data that you claim to be giving out. And so how can you improve that empathy and be more um, apparent and perceived in, in your intention to be empathetic? So that's a really interesting awareness for leaders. I, I really like that about that assessment because it actually creates a gap analysis where you are also self-assessing where you either undervalue your awareness compared to what others think or overvalue. So it, sometimes we actually give, sell ourselves short in how aware we are. And that can be a problem as well because, you know, self-confidence and, and just the ability to say, hey, I am, I'm having a better impact than, than I thought. You know, we're, we're often talking about the lack of awareness, but some, I mean, no, they're both lack of awareness. What I mean is lack of empathy or, or uh, overestimating, which many of us do, but sometimes that underestimating can be a problem too. Self-confidence is paramount to the makeup of emotional intelligence um, improvement journey. We all have imposter syndrome. We all have different things that we struggle with. Nobody's different just because they're a, a leader. Um, and so, you know, that self-confidence check-in is really important in building a better strength of your self-confidence. Just got a, a David uh, Dame must be a friend of yours. David Dame is an excellent speaker um, on accessibility and is a great representative of being empathetic and having great emotional intelligence in the world. Thank you for listening, David. We're glad you joined us today. So I've got a question for you, Aaron, and it really stems from this, this idea of the 360 feedback and empathy and all that is we all make judgments of others based on limited information right so we 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 do not live entirely in somebody else's head 24 7 we don't understand exactly what they're going through 
and and so we we make we make assumptions to kind of like fill in our own gaps, our own knowledge gaps. So we just make assumptions. Oh, well, they behave this way because of this, that, the other. Just a couple of days ago, uh, I was in a meeting and we were discussing a situation with an individual and there were a lot of assumptions being made about why this, per, you know, about the, the person's behavior. She was very, uh, very short uh, with with another individual and and didn't want to have anything really to do with them and so on and so forth. And, you know, the thought that came to my mind is, do we really understand what's going on in this person's life? You know, she's she's had a lot of um, uh, a lot of personal earthquakes in, in her family relationships, you know, uh, could that be potentially impacting how or, or the reason, you know, the why she's she she is acting the way that she's acting instead of just saying, well, she's a she's a bad person and all she does is complain all the time and she's very cold and and blah blah blah. I mean, how do you, you know, without being able to live in somebody else's head twenty four seven, how do you, uh, in a team environment, you know, work with people to to help them build this empathy, help them, you know, try to see well, what would it be? What, how would I feel if I was in the, are you even aware that there's a situation like this going on? Uh, I, I'm just curious, you know, what's your experience been in, in trying to help teams build empathy? Absolutely. The team usually tells the story, right? You'll see the uncomfortability, the words being described in the moment, the body language, the looks. And so you feel this uneasiness once one person sort of being singled out for the behavior. And that's an easy cue to pick up on as a leader. And so wanting to continue that harmony, but also make it an authentic space for people. You know, you take the opportunity one-on-one -on -one with the individual and you just say, how are you? And you pause and you read the body signs and, and, and they'll tell you, um, I'm okay. And I'm not comfortable telling you anything right now, or I'm not okay. And here's some things that I'm dealing with and I'm not quite sure where, what to do next. And it's, it's usually one or the other. And if you really feel like, you know, the behavior, the body language, the emotionality in the moment with the team, you know, clearly, as you said, this person's got some you know emotional stresses and it's coming out then you say you know i think that there might be some underlining um, concerns that you might be dealing with perhaps at work and when you're ready to reflect on them and if you want to share any of them with me i definitely want to have that conversation with you because i know that our team recognized um, some struggles or some concerns just in the way that you used emotional words or the tonality of your voice. You may not have recognized it, but it was visible to us. And so as a reach out to see, you know, if there's anything I can do to improve what might be underlining across the team or at work, please let me know. And once you make those things aware, um, the individual might feel they're masking and they're not, and they might feel you know, a bit vulnerable, but just give space and time. And eventually a lot of people come back and say, okay, there might be some things that I'd like to adjust and let's see if we can have a conversation about what those are 
and go from there and just being able to have the confidence and trust to speak openly um, can help transform people's uneasiness and being um, something else that they're probably not. Well, Christian, we, we've chatted a lot, but I have one more question that comes from online. I'm doing my best to monitor the social media. For some reason, they're not all coming up on, on my system, so I'm just trying to <coughs> keep an eye out. But this comes from Gerasimus in Rotterdam, uh, Aaron, and he says, I hope I get this right, and message me back if I, if I got it wrong. How do you cope with people which believe that being polite is a weakness rather than emotional intelligence? I don't know if I got that right, but that's the question as I understand it. So if I understand it right, they're questioning how people perceive being polite as a weakness. Yeah, rather than rather than, you know, an emotional intelligence strength. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there is a double edged sword on politeness. Obviously, you want to be polite to people and, you know, respect them and meet them halfway in their in their world and what they're willing to do. Um, but there's also over overly politeness, um, you know, not being able to pick up on certain cues that someone might be more comfortable with more casualness and less politeness um, because they're comfortable with you talking to them on that level. And so you might come across as keeping them at a certain tone or a certain space um, that they won't be able to be close to you. And when you're doing a very extensive polite uh, discourse and addressment to someone, it's almost like you're categorizing them. And so just being able to um, understand how to read the person and say, you know, I, I want to respect you and, uh, you know, I, I like something about you, you know, talk about something that you really uh, prefer in their abilities, like either their professional abilities or the way they speak or the way they show up um, to break the ice so that the politeness isn't necessarily always um, this, you know, very high level kind of interaction, but something more authentic and, and um, easier to, to manage. But definitely being polite is always a good thing. I don't think it impacts uh, greatly emotional intelligence. I think it's essential to just really focus on the cues when you're speaking to people. Great, great, great feedback. And here is uh, another comment. Sorry, I threw that up. I hope I didn't throw you off. But uh, go ahead, see if you can respond to, to Irwin here. Welcome thoughts on what these ideas look like in leading in a team environment from a diversity inclusion perspective. The leader or staff member is different, maybe the one and only to help all employees be the best employees they can. So um, Irwin's a great leader. Uh, thanks Irwin for joining us today in your busy schedule. Um, and, you know, diversity is important and showing up and being more than a brand on diversity and inclusion. Leaders um, or staff members that um, may stand out and, and are the only ones standing for diversity is a difficult space to be in. And so it's, re it's really important for all of us to understand what does diversity mean to me? Even as a privileged white woman, what does diversity mean to me? And be very strong and assertive in letting other people know I'm here to support. I'm an ally. I see everyone. And here's how I see you. Um, here's how I want you to understand that I see you. And being very vocal on recognizing the needs of continuing diversity and inclusion uh, within that team dynamic. If you can get that mastered within your team, you can create a ripple effect across your organization. So if you're not the one responsible for DEI, 
um, you can definitely set a standard within your team that will attract other people to say, I'm going to go work there because they understand how to walk inclusion and talk diversity and um, bring effective um, voices across different backgrounds to the table so that we can all have a, a great product or service that we're building, but also understand how to work together across our different strengths. And I think that is our our first important you know, responsibility as leaders is creating that space where we can identify and show up, but then also say, I'm here to help. And I think these are the ways that I can help, but how do you think I should help you in creating a more diverse and inclusive space and keeping those dialogues open? I have to say, Spencer, when you when you chimed in and said, I, I've just got one more question because we're, you know, we've been going on for a while. I honestly was shocked. I thought, have we really been talking that long? I mean, and it was the first time that I actually looked down to see how long we were actually talking because I was so engaged in what you were saying here, Aaron. Uh, it's so valuable. Uh, if we don't have any other questions from our audience members, or if you don't have any other questions, Spencer, um, I'm... Just curious to know uh, if people want to learn more about how you could potentially help them or your organization could help them and help their teams grow. Uh, uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you to learn more about what you're doing and potentially figure out how you could potentially help them? Yeah, thanks. Um, definitely connect with me. EQ Footprints is available on all social media platforms and my website, eqfootprints.com. Um, shares blogs and insights and information on ways that your organization can have workshops, keynotes, training um, to improve everyone's ability to raise the emotional quotient level within themselves and an organization. Uh, and before I switch over to you, Spencer, I just have to ask about the name, the Footprints name. Uh, what's the significance behind that? EQ Footprints. It's a really interesting uh, name. Yeah, and it's one word and really it means emotional quotient footprints. You are walking your journey and the footprints represent your path. And so emotional quotient and your ability to increase your emotional intelligence follows you on that journey and improves your ability and outlook as you proceed down your path. So the footprints is really an important sort of visual connection to your journey ahead and where you've come from because your experiences help play a, a vital role in understanding your emotional intelligence. I love that. We're all on different points in our journey. And Spencer, you have helped organizations around the world uh, build high-performing teams. And if people want to learn how you could potentially help them, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Always LinkedIn. I just I just gave a, a presentation to a leadership group yesterday that I met the week before. They reached out to me on, on LinkedIn and had me come and Talk to their uh, executive retreat yesterday. That was uh, that's amazing. So that's how quick this this uh, this tool is at, at connecting people. So reach out to me on Spencer Horn and Christian. You know, the world gets to see more of you. How can they find you? Uh, same LinkedIn. Just find Christian Napier on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to connect with anyone and and look forward to learning more about you and and how we could potentially help you. And so Aaron, thank you for taking an hour out of your day 
uh, your very busy day to to be with us today and share your experiences with our listeners and viewers. And for those of you who are tuning in, please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll catch you again soon.